This is Mark Lemley from Stanford Law School, and you're listening to IP Fridays. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 64 of IP Fridays. Today we have an interview with Niels Weber of Jonas Attorneys at Law in Cologne about uh, trademark enforcement in Germany and in particular um, preliminary injunctions. Trisha Volpi of Barnes & Thornburg tells us more about the shortage of beer names in the US. And before we jump into all of this, I have some news about the Unified Patent Court. The Netherlands have just ratified um, the Unified Patent Court Agreement and they are the 11th country to ratify the agreement and 13 in total are needed. Um, Germany is expected to follow uh, shortly, so basically only the UK is really missing. The Brick Court Chambers, or BCC, recently published a 39-page opinion um, that it produced for the IP Federation, the Chartered Institute of Patent Attorneys and the Intellectual Property Lawyers Association in the UK. And basically it came to the conclusion that there is an international agreement needed um, between the UK and the EU and its member countries uh, to allow the UK to participate in the unified patent uh, system. So there is a real problem in uh, the UK participating in this uh, unified patent system in the future. On the other hand, if the UK is not part of the system in the future, um, which and the UK is the second largest economy in the EU, um, then probably most companies would not find the system very attractive. So. Um, Naturally, as a patent attorney, I'm very interested um, how this will work out in the future. The craft brewing industry is hopping across the US with the number of craft breweries multiplying by the day. The industry has also kept lawyers busy as the well of catchy brew names starts to run dry. Trisha Volpe of Barnes & Thornburg has the story. There was once a time when the beer fridge was stocked with those old reliable brands, the ones that have been around forever and make the top of the Super Bowl commercial list nearly every year. Today, the shelves are crowded with beer brands that read more like a book of puns. The Wall Street Journal reports that the craft beer industry is running out of names. As the competition for the tastiest brew heats up, so does the brawl over beer names. According to the Wall Street Journal, legal disputes in the beer world are becoming the norm as new craft breweries spring up at a rate of roughly two per day. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has seen at least 25,000 active registrations and applications related to beer, according to WSJ. And as the options run out, breweries are finding themselves at odds with their fellow brewers across the country, turning to legal battles to protect beer and brewery names from trademark theft. Reporting for IP Fridays, I'm Trisha Volpe. 
Thank you, Trisha. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Now let's jump into the interview with Niels Weber about trademark enforcement and custom seizures in Germany and Europe. I'm very excited to be joined by Niels Weber today. If you don't know who Niels is, Niels is director at Jonas Lawyers, um, an IP law firm in Cologne, Germany. And he's mostly busy with prosecuting and uh, litigating trademarks and patents. And uh, they are also doing uh, anti-counterfeiting work and uh, competition law and uh, copyright law and IT law. And one thing you should know about Niels is that he has been a judge in his former life, so he also knows the other side of the bench. That is an interesting aspect for today's interview. Um, and one thing that I uh, want to mention is that this law firm is ranked in many rankings, uh, always in the top rankings for um, trademarks. Uh, as well as in some rankings for patents. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you are on the show. Thank you for being on the show, Niels. You're welcome. So um, today I want to focus on trademark enforcement and um, a particular aspect of trademark enforcement, namely injunctions, preliminary injunctions. But maybe first, um, how does trademark enforcement in Germany work in general? And what, in your opinion, are the most important differences to, for example, the US trademark enforcement? The, the trademark enforcement in Germany is not so different in many aspects, but there is one very important difference um, I will mention in a second. So usually trademark enforcement starts with a cease and desist letter. And when this letter is without success, you will file a court action, either an action for the merits or an action for a preliminary injunction. And here is a speciality about the German enforcement of trademarks. This is the very effective and very fast preliminary injunction proceeding. In most cases, this is a ex parte proceeding where the trademark infringer is not even heard before the court releases its injunction and um, it will be filed, it will be served to the defendant and with service of the injunction, he is enjoined to continue his trademark infringing behavior. And this timeline is about one week or maybe even a shorter period of time. And then you can enjoin an infringing person from um, using your trademark. And this is very effective, not only in speed, but also in costs. It is in comparison to the costs you have in US proceeding, for example, very, very small budgets like 10,000 euro, you can have a um, full injunction with lawyer fees and with court fees and not enough, you will be rewarded uh, with those fees from the infringing party. Should you be successful, then the infringing party has to reimburse all of your costs in this amount and you will have almost no costs to enforce your trademark. So um, if uh, the preliminary injunction, um, we will talk about the preliminary injunction in a second, but maybe before we jump into the preliminary injunction, um, what is the typical procedure in a regular, like say, court action for trademark infringement? Um, how does that continue from filing the action? What, what is the timeline? Well, one very important um, difference is that there is no discovery proceeding either uh, pre-trial or during the trial. 
there is only letters of the lawyers of each party. And in these letters, the parties has to tell the court and to tell the other party what they are what they want from the court, what they want from the other party, and the other party has to answer the letters. So it is kind of a written proceeding. Everything is prepared in writing. And then there will be one oral hearing in the end of the proceeding. And there, usually the judge will decide after this hearing. And this hearing is only for a couple of hours. It, uh, in many cases, it's not more than one hour. And uh, then the court will decide. There is almost no um, witness hearing. Uh, from time to time, it can happen that there is a witness, but usually it doesn't. The timeline of the proceeding is from filing the action to a first instance decision is about half a year to one year. Uh, it depends how difficult the case is, how complex defendant defends against the claims, and it also depends very much on the court. There are quicker courts in Germany and there are slower courts. Usually you choose a very good court for trademark matters and there they will be prepared to decide and to hear your case with uh, six months. So um, that was a very good keyword. Um, what are the typical courts for trademark enforcement in Germany? There are very specialized courts because By law, they are, have not every court can decide about a trademark case, especially not a community trademark case or a EU trademark case. Um, it turned out that the courts in Düsseldorf, Hamburg, Munich and Frankfurt and maybe Berlin are the most relevant um, courts for trademark matters in Germany. And usually you will go to these courts and also uh, the Cologne court is quite famous in cases where trademark law comes together with unfair competition. Mm -hmm. And um, you talked about the costs for a preliminary injunction. Uh, maybe we can, we can just briefly mention the costs for um, regular um, first instance action. Um, and uh, just to give, an, give our listeners an idea like what, what the costs would be and can they be, reward, can they be rewarded by the court or not? Yes, the costs for a trademark infringement proceeding very much depend on the worst in dispute. And um, even when you only want to have forbearance and maybe information, there must be a worst in dispute calculated on the basis how much a continuous infringement of the trademark would harm, would, would harm the trademark owner. And um, a usual and very often used worth in dispute is 100,000 euros. And um, on this basis, the court fees as well as lawyer minimum fees will be calculated. And if you have this worth in dispute, you will have a first instance cost uh, risk for the whole proceeding of about 20,000 euros. So this will be the costs you would have to reward to the other party and you would have to um, budget for your own costs. Certainly... In many cases, it is not possible that the lawyer can work for the minimum costs, uh, which are set by the legal fees, and then you will have an hourly rate. Uh, but um, the costs you have to reimburse to the other party are limited to this, um, like 10,000 euros, including the court fee. And um, the German proceeding is kind of special again in this regard, that every time where a party is defeated, 
it has to reimburse the other party their costs in the legal minimum amount. And this is like 20,000 euros for, for a usual trademark infringement proceeding uh, in an action for the merits. Yeah, and maybe we should mention that um, a lot of firms, they work for hourly rates and that the typical cost for the first instance, uh, first instance should be maybe assumed to be maybe not 20,000 because that's the minimum cost, but maybe 30,000, maybe sometimes even a little bit higher. But um, just to give our listeners an, an, an approximate idea, I mean, these costs are um, a far cry from the much higher costs in other legislations like in the UK. Or the so uh, let's jump into the preliminary injunction. Uh, can you explain uh, the preliminary injunction in Germany in a little bit more detail? And um, how do you typically defend yourself against preliminary Yes, let's start with the defense. So when you get a cease and desist letter or otherwise are afraid that another party could file a preliminary injunction against you, you have one possibility cause just as I mentioned that it's usually an ex-party injunction. So you will not know about the proceeding until you will be served with the injunction. And to safeguard that the court will hear your arguments before releasing an injunction, you can file a protective writ to the courts in Germany and then they will take care of your arguments also and maybe not release the injunction for, for the plaintiff. And this will be filed in electronic register and all the courts must take a look into this and it is a very easy thing to let the court know your argument. So this is a defense line you can, you can take and When you are on the other side where you like to have an injunction to avoid further trademark infringements, you, the most important thing to take care of is that you meet the urgency deadline. Because courts will only release an injunction when they feel that the trademark owner handles the matter as urgent and therefore needs to have urgent release from the court. And, so, and, and this urgency deadline is a minimum deadline of four weeks And some courts in Germany also give a little bit more time, like another two weeks. So if you want to be on the safe side, don't take more than four weeks. You might be lucky to also get an injunction after six weeks. So the, the, the urgency deadline is calculated from the time where you have knowledge of the infringement and the infringer. And then the four to six weeks will start. In this time, you have to prepare uh, the filing, the court letter for the preliminary injunction. And you have to put all your knowledge about the case, your, tra your trademark rights, uh, a description of the infringer and his um, infringing behavior. And you have to present all the proofs you have for the infringement, like um, printouts from the internet, like photographies from uh, the infringing product or whatever you have. And where you don't have any, any documentation, you can give an affidavit telling the court that certain facts from the case uh, are true and then the court will decide on this basis. And you you're, file, you're, you're going to file this and after like three days or maybe a week, you have an answer from the court whether or not the injunction will be released. And um, just as I mentioned in the beginning, approximately after one week, you will have the decision and will be ready to serve it the defendant. So basically, um, in contrast to many other jurisdictions, 
you can stop an infringer within a couple of days. And my understanding is that if you uh, call the judge ahead of time and tell them about the case, sometimes you get an injunction within even maybe one or two or three days. So you can stop someone from infringing your trademark within a couple of days. And once you serve the um, injunction that the court granted, uh, then the other party must stop or otherwise pay um, damages, right? Or pay fee or how does it, how is that enforced? The enforcement works in the way that you have a penalty in the decision of the court and should the defendant be in violation of the court order, you can file another application to the court asking the court to um, oppose a fine on the on the on the defendant on the infringer and then this fine can go up to 250,000 euro and usually a first fine for a first infringement is like three to five thousand euros so they're starting with a very low amount but when you then are in violation of the court order again then the fines will be much higher like 20 50,000 euro for a second and uh, my understanding is that uh, this is um, every single infringing product or every sale is counted toward this, right? Yes. Or sometimes. Sometimes. That is a very important question because this is always a defense line of the, of the infringer when they bring in a, a, a whole lot of products on one trolley, for example, then they will argue that it is only one infringement. Um, but um, usually the courts will make like a middle decision. They don't take every single product, but they also take a look at the amount they brought in. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then uh, set the penalty to a little higher value. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. okay. So is there any risk in uh, filing for um, a preliminary injunction? Besides the cost risk we just discussed, there is a risk that the injunction could be released on opposition of defendant. And this will result in a liability of possible damages the defendant will might have suffered when the distribution of the product, for example, is interrupted by the enforcement of the injunction. And then you can be liable for lost profits or any other damages he might have suffered. But usually, it is very hard for the defendant to prove that there is a damage and this will not happen very often. And therefore, to have the court opinion, legal position is clear and decided by the court and there's a high re reliability that the court will also stand. And one other thing is of importance, you don't have to pay a security for the enforcement of the Injunction, although there is this risk of um, damage claim, it is not necessary in 99% of the cases that you have to pay any security or to give any bond before you can enforce a decision. Um, so one interesting question is that uh, can you get a cross-border preliminary injunction from a German court? Let's say uh, try to stop an infringer in the whole EU. Yes, that is possible when you are the owner of a EU-wide right, like a trademark or a EU design. Then you will be able to get a pan-European injunction. 
but this requires that you file the injunction proceeding in the place of business of the defendant. Uh, otherwise, it will be only possible to have a, a national decision um, without any requirement to the place of business. Right, so if the place of business of the infringer is in Hong Kong, let's say, then it will be very difficult to get a pan-European injunction. Well, when it is in Hong Kong, it is not in the European Union. And um, then you are still able to get a pan-European injunction, unless there would be another place of business of uh, this Hong Kong-based firm in another state of the European Union. But that is in many cases not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's uh, jump to another interesting topic, um, which is a little bit related, but not uh, closely related. Um, what about custom seizures? Uh, can you tell our listeners briefly like, how to get uh, custom seizures um, in Germany and the EU and where to request these? Yes, the, the custom seizures are divided in two uh, possible ways. You can have a national custom proceeding or you can have an EU-wide custom You file those applications for custom proceedings with your local custom offers. This can be your national local office and they will take care also for a EU-wide custom proceeding by giving your application also to the other EU entities taking care for custom proceedings, for example, in Denmark, France or other countries in the European Union. And then you will be informed about any infringement in the European Union centralized. So if there is an application in Germany and an infringement in Spain, then you will be informed via the EU system directly that there is an infringement and can take appropriate measurements to avoid this or to allow the products to come in because when products are sized by the customs, they will ask you whether or not they shall destroy them or not. And you always you want to give them free or not, because if you don't give them free... Right. Um, and it's possible to file this uh, request for custom seizures electronically, right? Yes, that's true. You have to give customs as many details about the products, the infringing products as possible by way of how they can decide and recognize that it is an infringement, what are the typical um, ways to port the products in union. Maybe you have even names of typical infringers you can tell the customs. This will help them a lot to do that job. And this aspect also helps you defend your, enforce your trademark. And in my experience, um, some um, customs officers in other countries don't really uh, like the English language. So sometimes it helps to translate that, for example, to French, right? In France, they sometimes they just ignore customs uh, seizures, requests for custom seizures, just because it's not in French. <laughs> yes, it's a problem because um, not everybody in the European Union is, uh, knows the English language. Uh, therefore, it's always a good idea to help them as, as much as possible. Right. So that was a very interesting um, interview. Uh, thank you uh, very much. If our listeners want to know more about uh, you or trademark enforcement in Germany, where can they best get in touch with you? Well, they can give me a call, send me an email, or maybe there's even a chance to meet at one of the different meeting occasions like Inter, ECTA and the other, where you can usually have a meeting with lawyers. Right. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for the interview.
That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com slash feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.